Hi there, my name is Natalie Nation, and you're listening to Feed That Nation. I'm a health educator, a content creator, and a self-proclaimed mac and cheese expert. I create content here on Feed That Nation all about college life, college health, and college wellness with the goal of helping you, my fellow college students, to be more successful, more confident, and more healthy in your student journey. I upload podcast episodes right here to YouTube and to your favorite podcast listening platforms on Wednesdays, and I upload YouTube videos or vlogs on Saturdays. Don't forget to go check me out on Instagram. I am at Feed That Nation and go check out my blog, feedthatnation.com. Also, don't forget to go check out my affiliate partner, Coconut Whisk. Coconut Whisk is a vegan, gluten-free, allergy-friendly baking mix company based right here in the Twin Cities. I have talked about them so many times before. I am honored to be an affiliate with them. I love their products. I love their mission. I love their chocolate chip mug cake. I can't wait for you to give them a try. I know you will love them as much as I do. When you try out Coconut Whisk, don't forget to use my coupon code at checkout for your online order. You get 15% off when you use code FEEDTHATNATION. Not only do you get 15% off, but I receive a small commission. So truly everybody wins in this scenario. Go check out Coconut Whisk. I am so excited to talk about this episode today, to talk about hydration and staying hydrated as a college student. And I feel like it's been a while since I did an episode that was actually focused on like physical health. I've done a lot of episodes talking about mental health lately and self-care, and I've done several episodes talking about professional life and professional and personal development, but I haven't actually done a good old fashioned like health episode in a while. So I'm really excited to break down this topic for you and talk about it. I was doing research for this episode and reading about hydration and trying to think about how staying hydrated and being dehydrated impacts college students specifically. And I realized that there are actually a lot of barriers to staying hydrated as a college student. And I wanna break that down for you and really lay it out because I feel like I had never really thought about it before, but now that it's, it's all here, I'm like, wow, this is so obvious, isn't it? And I think the first barrier, and this isn't necessarily exclusive to college students, but it's certainly something that I hear a lot from not only my peers and students that I've worked with, but also something I've definitely experienced where it's just so easy to forget to drink water. It's easy to get wrapped up in one task, move on to the next one, and then for me with ADHD especially, I think, oh wow, I'm thirsty, and then I immediately forget that I had that thought, and then I keep doing what I was doing, and then two hours later, I haven't had a single drop of water. And I feel like as a college student, we are often so busy and running from place to place and our schedules are so hectic that it truly is really easy to forget to drink water. It can also be really challenging to remember to drink water if you are somebody in an environment where you are still wearing masks a lot of the time, whether it's work or school, but a lot of times if you have to wear a mask, it's really inconvenient or uncomfortable to have to take the mask off to drink water. And so I know sometimes I will just skip drinking water because I don't want to have to take my mask off and then put it back on and sanitize my hands. And I think especially another issue with that is that a lot of places that have really strict masking requirements also have turned off their public water fountains. So if you don't have a water bottle or money to purchase a bottled beverage, You might not have any access to water at all except for whatever you can get from maybe a sink, which kind of dives into another topic that I know a lot of people avoid drinking water sometimes because if they only have access to tap water, sometimes tap water just kind of tastes weird. 
I know in northern Minnesota, a lot of the tap water has more iron in it than water in southern Minnesota, and it can kind of start to taste a bit like pennies if there's too much iron. And even though it's perfectly fine, it's not harmful, it's still not very pleasant to drink. And I know that some people who grew up on a city water versus a private well, maybe they were further out, a lot of tap water can tend to taste different, and it can just be kind of off-putting, honestly. I think something else that can kind of get in the way of hydration sometimes is that there are lots of other beverages out there outside of hydrating beverages. And I suppose I should probably break down what a hydrating beverage actually is because it's not only water. In general, we like to say that hydrating beverages are beverages like water, obviously, milk, whether it's dairy milk or unsweetened plant-based milk, 100% fruit juice, decaffeinated tea or herbal tea, unsweetened or no sugar added sparkling water. These are all things that can hydrate you. On the other hand, when you have things like pop or kombucha or alcohol or coffee, these things are not hydrating beverages. They do provide fluids, but they're not considered high quality hydration most of the time. And I think in college, it's really easy to have access to things like pop or kombucha or coffee or alcohol and drink these things and then forget to drink water or forget that water is really what we should be drinking. I hope that my sound quality wasn't too bad just there. I must have bumped my mic or something. I think a final, just maybe another barrier to staying hydrated as a college student is that it can be really irritating and maybe this is something that I've experienced and I'm crazy or maybe it's something else that my fellow females experience I don't know, but I sometimes get into a state of being where I am so hydrated that I literally have to pee every 45 minutes. And it's really irritating because I'm trying to get stuff done and then I keep on having to get up and go to the bathroom. And so sometimes, especially if I know I'm going to have to ride the bus or go on a long car ride or if I have to take a test, I might avoid drinking too much water or other hydrating beverages ahead of time so that I'm not having to pee or having to use the bathroom multiple times while I am otherwise occupied. I'm sure there are so many more barriers to staying hydrated that I haven't listed. I would love to hear your thoughts on that. What are your personal barriers to staying hydrated as a college student? Let me know in the comments below. Let's start a conversation about that. Some others that I can think of off the top of my head is maybe not having a water bottle that you can carry with you easily, having a water bottle that leaks, you know, losing your water bottle constantly. There's there's a lot. There's a lot of different barriers, big and small. Now, when it comes to hydration, I feel like most college students have the baseline knowledge of being hydrated is good, keeps me from being thirsty, keeps me from being dehydrated. And honestly, that's about as much as you need to know if you just need to know you need to stay hydrated. But there are a couple more sciencey things that I want to explain while I got you here. And I think the first of which is that water conducts electricity. Obvious enough, right? You probably knew that in the back of your head, but then you need to know that your body is like 70% water. Your body is constantly conducting electrical signals around the around itself, you know, your nerves and your cells and all that stuff. There are messages going everywhere that are being carried by water and conducted by water and also by like sodium and potassium and all those other good electrolytes, but details. And so when you start to get dehydrated, those signals aren't able to move as effectively the ratios of water to electrolytes get off, and then weird things start to happen. Obviously, you start to get thirsty. That's one of your body's first signals that you're getting dehydrated is you're getting thirsty. But there are other signs too, and I feel like this is so individualized and so 
unique to every person, but some people don't necessarily feel thirsty right away when they're starting to get dehydrated. They might start to get a little bit of a headache. They might start to be a little bit more moody or a little bit more crabby. They might get a little dizzy or a little lightheaded. They might have trouble focusing, trouble concentrating. They might be fatigued and tired. And you might be thinking at this point, Natalie, most of those things are just how I live my life as a college student. I'm constantly fatigued. I'm constantly thirsty. I'm constantly crabby and annoyed. Like, I get you. I do. But when it comes to hydration, being dehydrated can actually be really dangerous, especially in the summer heat when it's getting hotter outside and you're sweating a lot and it's so much easier to get dehydrated when it's hot outside. And I feel like that's another thing that college students aren't necessarily thinking of or being aware of a lot of the time is that when it's hot out, you need more fluids. You need to drink more and drink more often when you're sweating and when it's hot out than when it's cool out. I feel like another common question when it comes to hydration is, well, Natalie, how much water do I need to actually drink? And this is a tough one because again, it is so, so individualized and it's so unique to every single person and two people that are exactly the same body weight and height might have completely different tolerances and preferences for how their body feels when they drink certain amounts of water and other fluids. As a general rule though, because I'm a future dietitian, there are actually a couple of calculations that we as dietitians can do to figure out about how many milliliters or liters or ounces of fluids that a person might need. And these are honestly just ballparks, again, a lot of the time because math is not the same as a human being. Doing a calculation on a person's anthropometrics is not the same as being that person and knowing that person's body. That being said, one of the calculations that we use a lot, and this would be for generally healthy people, and this calculation is actually specifically for a sedentary day or a sedentary hospital patient who is being kept at a comfortable temperature, a comfortable, cool, non-sweating temperature. So this would be basically a day where you'd basically do nothing but lay in bed or lay on the couch. You're not working out, you're not walking around, you're just chilling, literally. And we would say for about every one kilogram of body weight or 2.2 pounds of body weight, you would need between 25 and 30 milliliters of water or other hydrating fluids. And so if I have a person who is 80 kilograms or about 175 pounds, I would do that math and that would equal somewhere between 2,000 and 2,400 milliliters or between two and 2.4 liters. And that's just one way to calculate it. Another way I might calculate how many fluids a person needs in a day is I might take half of their body weight in pounds. This is probably one you've heard before. Half of your body weight in pounds is the number of ounces that you should drink. So again, we take that same person who's 80 kilograms or 175 pounds. We do the math and that equals about 85 ounces or so. I'm rounding here because math. 85 or so ounces of water, which equals about 2.5 liters. So we're kind of in that ballpark again of the 2 to 2.4, 2.5 liters, somewhere in there. And doing that math, we get that kind of ballpark, but you might be someone who's about that size and you might be thinking, wow, I need way more water than that. And you'd be totally right because that calculation is for, again, a sedentary person on a sedentary, comfortably cool day. And so anytime you're getting sweaty, anytime you're working out, anytime you're walking around, anytime you're busier than that, if it's a hot day or it's an act active day, you need more fluids than that. I think another reason why I wanted to talk about hydration today, not only because it's summertime and it's hot out and we need to be drinking more water in the summer when it's hot out, but a lot of times in the summer people forget that 
alcohol actually dehydrates you. And it can be really fun in the summer if you're of age or even if you're not to have a pool party, have a bonfire, run around in the sun, go to a concert pre-COVID, of course, and be drinking alcohol and having a good day. And then it's really hot out and you're sweaty. And then all of a sudden you get to almost the end of the day or you get to the hottest part of the day and you don't feel good. You're sweaty and you're crabby and you're achy and you're dizzy and you're probably a little drunk, but really you're dehydrated. And dehydration can be really dangerous in the summer because truly your body can go from eh to uh uh-oh really fast. And there's a reason that a lot of people recommend that you drink a glass of water in between every serving of alcohol you have, and part of that is to prevent dehydration. The other part's to prevent you from getting drunk too quick, so like take that into consideration. But I think that rule of thumb is especially important in the summer. I think it's hugely, hugely important in the summer. It's also important in the summer to be paying attention to not only yourself, but the people around you. If it's really hot out and you're around people who are drinking, pay attention to how they are and if they've been drinking water and how they look and how they're talking because dehydration can be one factor that can lead people to develop heat exhaustion or even heat stroke. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Obviously, I'm not a medical professional. Even if I was, I'm not your medical professional. So please do not use this video as any form of medical advice. This is for educational entertainment purposes only, of course. So heat exhaustion isn't great. And heat stroke is actually a medical emergency where you would actually want to call 911 or immediately take the the ill person to receive medical care immediately. But both of these can be exacerbated by dehydration. But heat exhaustion kind of starts out the way you picture dehydration being. Like I said before, you're thirsty and you're crabby and you're warm and you're sweating and you're kind of, you can be dizzy, you might be nauseous or you might even throw up. And those are kind of the basic symptoms of heat exhaustion. And when treated promptly, heat exhaustion can be quickly recovered from, you can be okay. And a lot of places have these recommendations, so I'm kind of just compiling what I've been reading about, but a lot of times heat exhaustion, you want to get the person out of the heat into a cool area. Any extra layers that they're wearing or any tight clothing you want to remove, you want to make sure that they are cool and comfortable, have a breeze flowing on them. A lot of times they'll recommend a cool shower, cold compresses, you know, things like rubbing a cold washcloth on your face, things like that. Ice packs might be a good idea, wrapped in towels, of course. And if the person is alert and oriented, they know where they are, who they are, and they're awake enough to swallow. Having them take sips of water is also a good idea. And just monitor them really closely. Make sure they're still awake, still breathing, still okay. Heat stroke, on the other hand, is a medical emergency. And some of the symptoms of that, again, sort of look a lot like heat exhaustion. But some of the main differences are that a person who has heat stroke actually won't be sweating. They'll have dry skin. Their heart rate will be very fast. They might be confused or delirious. They won't be alert and oriented to where they are. That's actually a medical term. Well, alert and oriented times four, not the point. And they might be vomiting again. And they might have a fever, and that fever would be above 104 degrees Fahrenheit, which is one of the, I guess, threshold symptom markers for heat stroke. And again, heat stroke is a medical emergency. If you suspect that a person has heat stroke, you would want to immediately get them out of the heat and call 911 or take them immediately to receive medical care. 
I have to say also moving away from talking about heat exhaustion and heat stroke, which are both kind of scary and kind of intense. Personally, I notice on days that I am well hydrated that I feel good. I feel more energized. I feel more alert. I feel more comfortable. If I work out on a day when I'm well hydrated, I feel stronger. And sometimes it's a big difference. And sometimes, honestly, it's the difference between feeling like you're like 80% good and like 95% good. It's not a huge difference sometimes for me, but I can feel it in my body if I'm dehydrated or if I'm well hydrated. There are two more topics I want to cover when it comes to hydration, one of which you've probably heard and seen before. We're going to talk about pee, specifically the color of your pee. There are so many charts out there online. Honestly, you can just Google like hydration chart or pee hydration color chart or whatever, and you will get as many Google images as you want. But basically, when you use the bathroom, the color of your pee is a really good indicator of how hydrated you are. And you want your pee to be a very clear yellow or a pale yellow. If it's a dark yellow or leaning towards more of a brown or an amber color, that's not a good thing. That means you're very dehydrated. And if it's all the way clear and there's no color at all, that can also not be a great sign. It might mean you're a little bit too hydrated, but you're aiming for that really nice sweet spot of very clear yellowish and to pale yellow. And I will link one of the hydration charts below. You can use basically anything you want. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to talk about, because this is definitely a hot topic in the trendy nutrition and sports nutrition and workout world lately, is hydration multipliers or hydration products like liquid IV. Again, these are similar to sports drinks where they provide not only fluids, but they also provide electrolytes and some of them provide also some carbohydrates, which are good for quick energy, especially when you're working out. And there's a big question of, do I need these to stay hydrated? And the answer is, if you're an average person living your life, if you're a healthy person who hasn't been told otherwise by a licensed medical professional, you probably don't need these. If you like them, if you want them, go for it. The conditions in which someone needs a sports drink or a hydration multiplier like this generally involve being outdoors for long periods of time in the heat, working out for long periods of time in the heat or high humidity, sweating excessively, things like that. So if you're going to go and play soccer in 90 degree heat with your friends, yeah, Gatorade or Liquid IV is probably a fantastic idea. If you're just an average Joe living your day, sweating a little bit, but mostly staying in the AC, not being too active, probably don't need a sports drink or a hydration multiplier. If you like them and you can afford them, I would say go for it. Personally, I've only tried a couple of different Gatorades. I think they're pretty salty, honestly, and I don't love them. I've been really wanting to try Liquid IV just because I've heard so many great things about it, but... Again, I don't need it, and I don't necessarily want to spend the money on it at this point, so that's about where I'm at. I will leave more resources down below if you are curious about that stuff. I would honestly love to hear any and all thoughts that you have about hydration as a college student. I think something that's been a real game changer for me in terms of staying hydrated is just having multiple water bottles of different shapes and sizes to use for different things. I have a little water bottle that lives in my work backpack, comes with me to work. I have a water bottle at home. I have like an ice water thermos that I'll bring with me if we're shopping on Saturdays because I can leave it in the car and come back and it'll still be nice and cold. I have a Nalgene somewhere if I'm going hiking and I want to bring a lot of water with me. Obviously, so, so many options here and I think having just a bunch of different choices for water bottles. For me, as somebody with ADHD who loses things a lot and misplaces things a lot, having a water bottle specifically for each task or each situation has been incredibly helpful for me. 
I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to go follow me on Instagram. I am at Feed That Nation. Subscribe to my YouTube channel if that's where you're listening, or if even if you're not, subscribe anyway. Hey, I'm pretty cool. Leave me a thumbs up on this video. Leave me a comment below. Subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Don't forget to go check out my blog, FeedThatNation.com. My name is Natalie Nation. You're watching Feed That Nation, and I'll see you next time.